back wall is broken, so uh, that means no time limit, right? <laughs> well, as we come and go into the word of the Lord this morning, it is uh, the second part of an introduction, uh, Lord willing, what I'll do eventually is, is preach on the first letter of Peter, First Peter, uh, but wanted to give you a background, uh, first of all, for my own curiosity, and, and hopefully uh, it is uh, beneficial and encouraging to you to read and see in the scriptures what is said about Peter, uh, the apostle. So I'll begin by reading First Peter 1, and uh, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this word. Lord, we're thankful that, Lord, it is your message to us when we want to know your will. Oh, Lord God, we come to your word, but oftentimes, uh, Lord, our understanding is dull, our hearing is not sharp, and our vision is not clear. But, Lord, we pray that this morning, that as we look into your word, that you would, Lord, speak to us clearly by it. And, uh, Lord, may the seed of this word this morning, your word, be planted deeply in our hearts in good soil that, Lord, you may nurture it, you may care for it, and that it may bring forth much fruit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the last sermon, this is not going to be a lot of exposition. A lot of it is, is going to be a, a Bible survey about uh, the life of uh, Peter, but I won't go back through uh, all of the the uh, mentions of Peter in the New Testament and the Gospels. Uh, if you, uh, I think we have that sermon uh, recorded on the church website. But I will review just the last part of John chapter 21, where Jesus is asking Peter if he loves him more than these. And then there's those three questions that he asked Peter at the end of each one when Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He tells him, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. Peter is restored. And then the Lord informs him that he will suffer for his name and says one last time to Peter, follow me. So Peter's transformation and sanctification is not instantaneous, however, for upon being told about his coming sufferings, he turns around and looks at John and asks Jesus, well, what about him? You know, so, you know, we see that he is an apostle by God's grace. And all of us, as we follow Christ, we follow him by his gracious actions towards us and his love towards us. So we come to a quick survey of Peter's life as recorded in the book of Acts. You will be amazed at Peter being a Galilean fisherman You'll be amazed at his boldness, even in the presence of those who had crucified Jesus, those from whom, whose presence, in, in whose presence he denied the Lord three times, even a lowly servant girl in the chief priest's house. 
And you'll be amazed at his grasp of the Old Testament in the preaching that is recorded uh, here in the book of Acts. So the foundations of Peter's boldness in preaching, the foundations of his apostleship, he is an eyewitness, as all the apostles were. He is an eyewitness of the words and works of Jesus. He has knowledge of the word as he was taught by Jesus, the living word, and he has the indwelling of the promised spirit, which they all received on the day of Pentecost. Now remember that Jesus taught his disciples. He taught his disciples. What did Jesus teach his disciples? The word of God. He was the living word, and he lived it out, and he said to his disciples that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John 1 says in the beginning of the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All of these things point to Christ. And there is an emphasis on knowing the word, as we'll see, not only in Peter's life, but in some of the, re- the recorded testimonies that the people, the believers of the early church that I'll mention in the book of Acts. At least nine times in Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, at, at least nine times Jesus references your word, the truth, the scriptures, that all those things would, would stick, that those things would be the sustenance for his disciples, and not only for the disciples, but for all believers to come, his word. So the gospel foundation in the Old Testament, the, gospel, the foundation of the gospel in the New Testament is the Old Testament. In John fourteen twenty six, Jesus promised his disciples But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. In John 21, 25, as we think about all of the things that Jesus said and did, the Apostle John writes, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did, were every one of them to be written, I suppose, that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. He said a similar thing in chapter 20, verse 31. So, all of the things that you see the disciples teaching and preaching, all of those things poured, that Jesus poured into their lives. We don't don't see most of it. John says there's a lot of it that we don't see, but we see the result of it. Now, the foundation, Luke 24, 27 After the resurrection on the road to Emmaus, Jesus appears to some disciples, and they didn't really recognize who he was. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. And in verse 31 there, he says, Their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while he opened to us the scriptures. And brothers and sisters, I pray that as we look into the word, one thing I hope comes from this this survey this morning is that it spurs us to hunger and thirst after God's righteousness and after his word, for that is where we find it. May the Lord strengthen us in that. In John 5, 30 through 47, Jesus speaks about John the Baptist and Moses speaking about him. In John 5, 39, 40, he says to the um, 
people there. You search the scripture because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So they have the scriptures. They didn't have uh, Ligonier and the Reformation Study Bible yet. You know, but they had the scriptures, and not, but not everyone had access to them, so they memorized large portions of scripture, those who were hungry for the Lord. And so Jesus refers to that, that you have those things. In 5, 46 and 47, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And in Matthew ten nineteen to 20, as Jesus prepares his disciples he says when they deliver you over do not be anxious how you are to speak what you are to say for what you are to say will be given you in that hour for it is not who you you who speak but the spirit of your father speaking through you so the disciples and as we look in particular at peter uh, in the remainder of the sermon the disciples were bold because they knew the scriptures by the teaching and preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. And that's how he took care of his sheep. It was also accompanied by much prayer on behalf of his sheep, as sown to us in John 17. He taught and trained his disciples the word to to prepare them to live in the sheepfold of God. Remember Jesus' words to Peter, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. With what? With what? The word. 1 Peter 3.15 says, in your hearts honor the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So the life of Peter summarized in the book of Acts, the grace of God abounding in sinners. In Acts chapter 1, Peter stands up and he takes the lead. And uh, one of the the first things that's recorded that he did was that he explained to the believers who were gathered there, about 120 in the upper room, he explained the loss of Judas, the betrayer, in a fulfillment of scriptures and the need to bring the apostles' number back to twelve. He quotes, he quotes as he does this, Psalm 69, 25, and Psalm 109, verse 8, foretelling the demise of Judas and the need to replace him. And the conditions were that he had to be one who had followed Jesus from the day of his baptism uh, by John all the way through the days of his ascension. So even there we see that Peter you know, is he's beginning to show all the things that Christ poured into him, all the things that he had been studying for evidently from a youth because he was, a, he was someone who was looking for the coming kingdom of God and looking for the Messiah. So in Acts 2, verse 4, we have the account of the Holy Spirit falling upon the believers, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And in verse 14, as all the confusion is going on and people are saying that, oh, they're drunk and this is all just craziness going on. These are a bunch of Galileans. But the crazy thing is we hear them all speaking in in our own language, people from all over, uh, from countries that were all around the Mediterranean basin there. 
But Peter stands up and lifts up his voice and addresses them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Then he quotes at length. He quotes at length from Joel 2, 28 to 32. Now, the Old Testament scriptures were on big scrolls. So he didn't have his little, you know, uh, you know, pocket Bible that he could whip out and turn to Joel. He knew the word of God. And he quotes that passage, Joel 2, 28, 32, foretelling the outpouring of the spirit. And then uh, Joel verse 2, chapter 2, verse 32, he concludes at the end of that passage, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter then lays the charge of the crucifixion of Jesus at the feet of those who had him killed. And again, he quotes Psalm 16, 8 through 11, and Psalm 110, verse 1, explaining David's prophecies regarding his own descendant becoming both Lord and Christ. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Until then, the outpouring of God's Spirit was measured, but now without measure, and thousands were being saved with Peter standing up, the one who had denied Christ three times, but the one who was restored by his Lord and the one in whom the grace of God was working. Those who believed devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and prayer. It means that the disciples, the apostles, had something to teach and preach about, and that was their main duty as shepherds over the new church. Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray, and there's a lame man who had been brought there daily to ask of alms you know, from those who were passing by. And he asked Peter and John as they were going up to pray at the ninth hour, about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I'll read from Acts 3, verses 4 to 7. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And Peter then preaches in Solomon's portico. Now, Solomon's portico was a part of all the the temple uh, grounds, the temple mount there. It was a colonnade uh, with two rows of columns that were 40 feet tall. It was about kind of like a porch. It was like 23 feet deep. 225 feet long and quite a few could gather there and in the book of Acts it relates several occasions in which the believers were gathered there in the in the temple area and the apostles teaching and preaching them and praying for one another Acts 3 12 through 20 note once again the boldness of Peter and the disciples the Holy Spirit bringing to mind the scriptures that they had been trained in. So there were people, you know, wondering what was happening, uh, you know, with him bringing about the, the healing of the lame man. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power of piety we made him walk? 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you now see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus Christ given has given this man the perfect health in the presence of you all. And then Peter says something remarkable. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets, here again we see Peter being well taught and being a good student in the word. That which God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. And then he calls them to repentance. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you. And many again heard the word and repented and believed and were saved. In Acts chapter 4, the Sadducees arrest Peter and John. They were agitated because the resurrection of Jesus was preached. Remember the Sadducees were the ones that confronted Jesus with this crazy story about a man marrying somebody and and then, you know, asking the question because they didn't believe in the resurrection, you know. And the way we used to teach our kids about the difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee was that the Sadducees did not have the hope of the resurrection, so they were sad, you see. And the Pharisees, you know, the Sadducees were the ones who were filled with self-righteousness and did not practice right judgment. So they were not fair, you see. So if that helps you, I hope it does. But Peter once again preaches, citing Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief's cornerstone. And Peter makes <clears throat> a persuasive, makes a, uh, an exclusive and intolerant claim. Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What is the mantra of the day today in today's culture? Many ways to the Lord. You know, my truth. My truth is this. My truth is that. Peter says right here, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So John and Peter are warned by the Sadducees not to preach the name of Jesus anymore. But here we go, Acts 4, verses 19 to 20. Peter and John answered them and said, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. And that should be us as well. We cannot speak but what we have seen and heard about Jesus the Christ. Peter and John report to the believers about what the rulers were trying to do to them. And our reading today came from Psalm 2. And they quote the scripture from Psalm 2 about those kings and rulers rising up against God. 
and God will have his way with them. They lifted up their voices to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. And the number of the disciples continued to grow with Peter and the apostles leading the way. Acts chapter 5 verse 1 through 11. I won't go into a lot of detail but the story of the sad and sobering story of Ananias and Sapphira. And it's when they lied to God, lied to the Holy Spirit, lied to the apostles and, and the Lord in establishing his church sends a message to all people there that he is a holy God. And we know that at Peter's feet they fell dead for their sin against the Lord. Hebrews 12, 28, 29 says, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. The latter half of Acts chapter 5 verses 12 through 42 The apostles continue to preach and perform miracles, and they are once again arrested by the high priest and the Sadducees, but they are thrown into prison this time. But God sends his angel to rescue them. They are miraculously set free, and they begin preaching again, and some members of the council and religious rulers want to put them to death. But a Pharisee on the council named Gamaliel warned them not to be hasty in judgment lest they find themselves fighting against God. The same Gamaliel at whose feet Saul was mentored in the Pharisees' traditions. A bit later in the book of Acts, we see that Saul did not heed his teacher's warning, but proceeded to persecute the church. Acts 5.29, Peter and the apostles, even though threatened by the council, said, again, we must obey God rather than men. And in verse 42 of chapter 5, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Acts chapter 6, we get to the episode with the establishment of the deacons. Uh, And so the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And as Peter remembers, and the apostles remember the words of Jesus, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They were feeding them the bread of life. Acts 6 and 7 is the account of Stephen, who is falsely accused of blasphemy. But, you know, I encourage you all, all go back. It was just, it had been a while since I had read the book of Acts, but I was so encouraged to seeing the acts that God did in the early church. And Stephen, falsely accused of blasphemy, and gives this long discourse in which he 
he explains the history of God's working all the way, you know, from uh, Abraham over the centuries to present-day Israel, quoting scriptures, relating history of the nation. And in verse 51 and 53 of chapter 7, he concludes his testimony, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels did not keep it. And of course, he is stoned. Acts chapter 8, Philip preaches in Samaria, and many believe. And one Simon the great, a magician, believes. So the apostles send Peter and John to preach and minister so that the Holy Spirit might come upon the Samaritans, and it does. Simon offers to pay money for the apostles' gift, but Peter rebukes him and tells him to repent of his wickedness and pray to the Lord if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Then they return to Jerusalem, preaching the good news that in many, in many Samaritan villages on the way back. Acts chapter 9 relates Saul's conversion, it also has an account of Peter, Peter healing Aeneas, who had been paralyzed for eight years. Uh, many in the towns of Lydda and Sharon believe. He also, the account relates that Peter raises Dorcas, or Tabitha, from the dead. Many in the town of Joppa believe. And then Peter's praying. Peter's praying in Joppa. And at the same time, a Roman centurion, Cornelius, a God-fearing, praying man, Generous in alms has a vision from God to send for Simon Peter at the home of Simon the Tanner near the sea in Joppa. So you see the Lord's working in what he's about to do in opening the gospel up to the Gentiles. Acts chapters 10 verses 9 through 16 relates Peter's vision that <clears throat> when Peter went on the housetop at about the sixth hour to pray, he became hungry and he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice said to him a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. It happened three times. So as Peter's thinking about this dream that he's just had, the men from Cornelius arrive, and Peter goes back with them. He hears Cornelius' story about his dream and bearing witness to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. As Peter preaches, the listeners are filled with the Holy Spirit as at Pentecost. They begin praising God and speaking in tongues. Peter concludes that it is God's revelation that it is the gospel for the Gentiles as well. So uh, Peter, not Paul, was actually the first apostle sent directly to preach to the Gentiles. Now the bulk of his ministry was to the Jews and the bulk of Paul's ministry was to the Gentiles, but he was the first to preach to the Gentiles. So the apostles and Jews in Jerusalem hear about this outpouring uh, on the Gentiles but on Peter's return, they confronted him about having gone into the household of a Gentile. 
Peter relates the entire story to them. And then he says in Acts 11, when they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So many Jews and Gentiles are coming to the faith in Syrian Antioch. And so the Jerusalem church sends Barnabas to exhort them to remain faithful in the Lord. And also in Acts chapter 11, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it is in Antioch, the book of Acts relates to us, that the disciples were first called Christians. Acts chapter 12, James, the brother of John, is murdered by Herod. Peter is thrown into prison with Herod, intending to put him to death as well. But as Peter is sleeping, chained between two guards, he gets tapped and says, wake up. And he, uh, he's led out of the prison by an angel of the Lord. He escapes, but he's somewhat in a trance. And uh, verse, chapter 12, verse 10 and 11, when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent an angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Uh, of course, following that, we have the rather humorous story about Paul going and knocking on the door of the house of Mary, who is the mother of John Mark, and a young lady named Rhoda answers the knock at the door, and he says, it's Peter, and she just takes off running to go tell everybody else, Peter's here, Peter's here, Peter's here, uh, while he's still knocking at the door, like, let me in. So finally he is let in, relates the story, and moves on. But all of these things, again, I'm relating to you, to lay a foundation and to see the work that God did in Peter over the years um, to have a better understanding and background of the two epistles that he wrote. In Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas report the work amongst the Gentiles, but they report to the Jerusalem council that the Gentiles are constantly harassed and that they that they need to be circumcised by the, the Jew, by the party of the circumcision. So the Gentiles are receiving the gospel, they're believing, but there are Jews of the dispersion who are there saying, yeah, that's all good, but you still need to be circumcised. So Acts 15, verses 7 through 11, speaks about the church council held in Jerusalem. After there had been much debate about this issue, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by mouth, my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as they will. And that council is estimated to have happened around the year 48 to 50 A.D. Now, 
It's not in the book of Acts, but there is a blemish, if we want to call it that, um, lack of a better word. There's a blemish in, in Peter's ministry as related by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians. The Syrian Antioch, a few years later, is the place where Paul and Peter are together for some reason. And Paul relates an incident which helps us to remember that no matter who we are in Christ, we need the gospel each and every day. We all have the tendency to revert back to our own self-righteous works to earn God's grace. It is important to relate here. Paul is defending his call to the apostolic ministry to the Galatians, and he's warning them to remain faithful to the gospel. And he relates an incident with Peter. And Paul writes in 2.11, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led away astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? It's not really recorded what Peter's response. Um, Well, let me continue on. Paul writes, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, by our own self-righteous good works, whether we compare ourselves to our neighbors or our family or to bad people you see in the news and on TV, it's not by our own relative goodness. It's only It's only by faith in Jesus Christ because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. If we find ourselves here today not having faith in Christ and not trusting him alone, I urge you to come to him. If you do trust in him, and yet, like all of us, you struggle in sin every day, remember the gospel of Christ is for believers and Christ calls us to come to him and continue to trust in him not in our own works. Now, the scriptures don't say anything about Peter's response to Paul's rebuke, but judging from the record of Peter's reaction to being convicted of his sin in the gospel gospel accounts, in which he would come before the Lord and say, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Taking those things into account and the fact that he continued ministry in the church, wrote two epistles, suffered the death of a martyr, It is safe to imagine that Peter was familiar with these words from Proverbs 9, 8, and 9. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Peter writes in 2 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. Count the patience of our Lord as salvation just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. 
as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. And Peter says about Paul's writings, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So, again, so while not directly saying anything about that interaction afterwards, uh, we can assume that Peter received what Paul said to him. So, it is estimated that Peter traveled to Rome in the mid to late 50s, that he wrote 1 Peter in the mid-60s A.D., and he wrote 2 Peter in 67 to 68 A.D., shortly before his death. So I pray that, um, that this has been beneficial to give a look into the work of God's grace in the Apostle Peter, that it's encouraging us to see how God sovereignly works, how when Peter and the other apostles face things that seem so detrimental and so negative and so uh, much opposition, yet when they saw their own and when they saw their own brothers crucify the Lord Jesus Christ, they recognized that it was a sovereign work of God. It's a sovereign work of God. Many times we don't realize those things until after it's done. But we can trust. We can trust in him. We can trust in his works in, his, in this church here at Hope Presbyterian. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, O Lord, that you are the sovereign God, that you are the good shepherd, and that, Lord, we desire to be at your feet and to be in your word. Lord, we're so blessed that you've given it to us. Lord, this canon of the Holy Scripture, the Old and the New Testament, written for our benefit. Lord, but we see from evidence given in the book of Acts that, Lord, your gospel has been there in the Old Testament all the way through. That it's always been by grace that we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any one of us should boast. And so we give you praise and thanksgiving and ask that your work would be done in us, Lord, and that we would continue to grow as disciples in Christ as we look to you, our good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.